You're listening to the Mount Pleasant Podcast. To learn more about our church, visit us online at www.mpbc.church. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. As you're turning, I want to show you a picture of a scene, and I want you to tell me what this is. What is that? What is it? It's a funeral. You know, that's joyful on the first Sunday of 2020. Well, I know that scene doesn't conjure up good thoughts. A funeral means there's been a death, and, and death is always bad, right? Hmm. Not always. What if you have cancer and the chemotherapy and radiation kills the cancer? Good? What about if you have a sick child, bacterial infection, doctor prescribes an antibiotic, you go to the pharmacy and you get it, give it to the child and in a couple of days they're back doing cartwheels again. Good thing, you've killed the bacteria. Yes. Death is not always a bad thing. Today on this first Sunday of the new year, 2020, we're going to be talking about death, a death that can be good. You've made your way to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 5 through 9 this morning. You follow along as I read it or you can see the screens. Now notice these first three words. This, this is the key today. In fact, read these words with me. You ready? Put to what? Death. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, hmm, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked. That should be past tense. When you were living in them. But now, but now, there's the idea that you're saved. You must put them away. Put what away? A new set. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, cussing, and lying to one another. Don't lie. See that you have put off the old self with its practices. We'll stop there and pick up in verse 10 next week. Have you ever heard of something called catechism? What is a catechism? For instance, the Heidelberg Catechism comes by way of Heidelberg, Germany. The Heidelberg Catechism, for instance, is old, written in 1563. You go, that's great, Pastor, but I still don't know what a catechism is. Well, a catechism is the summary of a Christian principle in the form of a question followed by an answer, and it's often used for teaching children the principles of the faith. So let me show you the first question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. So here's the first question of the 1563 Heidelberg Catechism. What is thy only comfort in life and death? Okay, answer. That I with body and soul both in life and death am not my own, but belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus Christ who with his precious blood hath fully satisfied for how many of my sins? All. And delivered me from how much of the power of the devil? All. Church, what is the power of the devil? Might it be a three-letter word starting with S? Sin. 
sin. You know, the marketers in the Christian world today tell you not to preach on sin because you won't draw a crowd. You're not very seeker-friendly. They say you just need to tickle the ears and preach on things that are very encouraging. You can get away with that when you don't preach through Scripture. But when you give the whole counsel of Scripture and you come to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, you kind of don't have a choice. And that's a good thing. As a shepherd, as one of your pastors, it's my job to lead to greener pastures. And sometimes that means we have to talk about sin. We read in Colossians 3, verse 5, that we're to do something with sin. What were those first three words again, church? Put to death. This morning I want you to see yourself at a funeral, but I want you to see yourself with a job to do. I want you to see yourself as a pallbearer. What's a pallbearer? Paul. P-A-L-L. Bearer. B-E-A-R-E-R. -E what does a pallbearer do at a funeral? Carries a coffin. Okay? And in that coffin, I want you to think about this morning your sin. <laughs> Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you might show us our sin. <laughs> show me my sin. Expose it. Bring it into the light. Wake up the sleeper. And I ask it in Jesus' name. A pallbearer carries a coffin. In this case, I want you to see yourself as I see myself carrying the coffin of my sin because we must do what with sin. Kill it! We were singing the chorus a few moments ago to the song, Living Hope. That's the opposite of death, right? You see, remember the chorus? Hallelujah, praise the one who set me free. Has he? Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Has it? You have broken every chain. Has he? Holy Spirit, show us the sin. There's salvation in your name, Jesus Christ, my living hope. Jesus Christ came to this earth to conquer sin, and he did. That's why he came. We have a sin problem, and we can do nothing about it. And so Jesus came. That's what we just celebrated. That's why we had Christmas, the coming of the one who would devastate and destroy sin. He conquered it so that we might continue to live in it as his followers? Jesus took sin upon himself and destroyed it so that we might not be mastered by it. Devastated by it. So many Christians today, whew, they're trying to live the Christian life in sin. Known sin, they know it. 
They know it. They know it. They know it. The Holy Spirit's revealed it to them. The Holy Spirit has kindly revealed it to them. They continue to walk in it. Some of the most miserable people on the face of the earth are Christians who are trying to live with one foot in the world and one foot in sin. I want to ask you a pointed question. What needs to die in you? What needs to go in the coffin? It's time. It's a new year. It's 2020. It's time for a death. It's time for that thing that has shackled you to be destroyed. Because it has been. By Jesus. He took that sin and He crushed it and destroyed it. The question is, will we choose today to let him kill it. Listen, I'm not asking you this morning to make a New Year's resolution. I'm not asking you to read some self-help book to make you feel better. I'm asking you to look to Jesus and understand that he died on the cross for you so that you and I might not live in sin, but that we might have eternal life. And I'm talking about life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Church, can I remind us, I, I hate to do this, but can I remind us what sin does? That's what sin does. Listen, I know this is hard today. Maybe even some who are watching today, you've never really grasped this. But I killed Jesus. I did. My sin. I killed him. And so did you. You killed him. Because he had to come to earth from heaven to die to pay for that which you and I can't pay for. And that's what sin does. That's bad. He didn't do anything wrong. That's mercy. That's grace. That's love. Why are we in the book of Colossians? What's wrong in Colossae? They're struggling with false teachers who are leading them into sin. And Epaphras goes all the way to Rome where Paul is in prison under house arrest. And, and Epaphras says, look, they're, they're, they're not following the way. And they're believing the lies. And so the book of Colossians is a book to help distinguish the truth from that which is false, right? That's what we've been studying. So the first two chapters in Colossians has been all orthodoxy, all doctrine, okay? And now we get to chapter 3 and we get orthopraxy. That's, that's P-R-A-X-Y. You get orthodoxy, you get doctrine, and then you get orthopraxy, which is the practice of the doctrine. You leave the practice field and you go live it. And that's chapter 3. That's where, we've, that's, that's where we are. That's where we started last week. What is the truth, church? The truth is that Jesus Christ paid for our sin. Buddha didn't do that. Nor did Muhammad. Nor Confucius. Or Joseph Smith. They're all wrong. You want to know why? Because Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Him. Amen. 
One day Buddha will bow at the feet of Jesus, and so will Muhammad, and so will Joseph Smith. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And those who received Him by faith on this earth in this life will enter heaven. And those who chose to reject Him after they've confessed Him as Lord, they will go to the lake of fire. That's what the Scriptures teach. That's what the Word of God teaches. And that's the truth! That's the truth. So how do you know it's the truth? Because Jesus got up from the dead. Yes, sir. Amen. He's alive. He's our living hope. That's the difference. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords. That, go back to verse 1. Same chapter, chapter 3, verse 1. This is what Matthew was showing us last week. Watch this. Now, if you've been saved, that's what that means, that first phrase, if you've been raised with Christ. That's another way of saying, if you've been saved, then seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things of the earth. For you have what? What does it say? You have died. There's the coffin. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, now, what was the way that Matthew used to show us a life hidden in Christ? You go, I have no idea. I'll show it to you. Remember the footprints. See, watch, watch, watch. When you're following Christ, you walk in the steps that He's already made for you. Are you a follower of Christ? That's, that's what a follower of Christ is, a disciple. Listen, some of you are teenagers in this room. You made a profession of faith when you were a kid, but you're not following Christ. You, you, I don't, you say, I don't understand. What do you mean I'm not following Christ? You, you don't, you don't, you're not seeking Him. You don't read the Bible. You're not spending time in prayer. So how can you say that you're following Christ? You prayed some prayer, maybe nine or ten years old, but you're going your own way. I want to ask you something. Are you deliberately setting your mind on walking in the steps of Jesus? In order to do that, you must read the Word of God and spend time with Him. Let Him speak to you. Might you get out a notebook? I'm talking about an 11-year-old and write down what God is speaking and saying to you. This would be good for adults. And the, the Holy Spirit began to speak to you, the teacher, and you walk in these steps with Jesus, and there's a relationship to be had. It's powerful. Y'all try it. So many Christians are not following Jesus because the steps get hard. Whoa, that's a big one. Oh, that would be easier. But there's the step. Uh, Okay, okay, Lord, help me. Uh, got it, okay. Whew. Whew. And there's power in that. There's joy in that. Do you have joy today? This is what the Apostle Paul is trying to get across through the Holy Spirit to the people there in Colossae. <laughs> See if you can grasp this. I want you to understand our position in Christ, positionally, okay? Get, get a hold of this now. This is deep. Ready? When you and I were saved, we were taken from Satan's kingdom, okay? We were transferred and placed into the kingdom of Christ. We were positioned in Christ's kingdom. That means we became royalty, children of the king. But we can still choose to walk in the muck and the mire of sin, even though we're children of God. We can leave the palace and walk in the back alleys of the world and thus act like children of the world instead of children of the king. 
And some would say, well, Pastor Kevin, are you saying we should never go to the back alleys of the world? I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying you don't live there. We're to be in the world, but not of it. We're palace dwellers. And so many Christians try to live. You got your royal robe on, walking in these back alleys. It's just it's weird. You're living in them. And even the people that are there, who are not even in the kingdom, look at you and they go, that's weird. He says he's a Christian. And man, wow. The Apostle Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is trying to help the people in Colossae to understand the truth from that which is false. And so he says, okay guys, here's what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to put some things to death. Now, now watch this. Look back at verse 5. There's a progression here. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. What is earthly of this world? Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, I want to show you something. I want you to keep looking at the screens, and I want you to see the progression here. It, it, it's an insidious progression. It's like walking up a set of stairs as we progress in this thing. It starts out with a thought. A thought of, let's say, sexual immorality. And, 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 and we work our way up the stairs through impurity, then to passion, and then to evil desires, and coveting what's not ours. And we end up at idolatry. And church, can I tell you what idolatry is in its simplest form? It's worshiping that which is false, and idolatry is ultimately worshiping ourselves. It's the ultimate selfie. Hey, y'all want to get in on this? Hey, no, I got to be in it. <laughs> Hang on. You ready? Here we go. On three. One, two, three. Idolatry. It's saying, I'm not going that way. No, it's too hard. People won't like me. I won't be popular. I won't fit in. People will call me mean if I believe that way, if I act that way, if I actually live by principles and not by feelings. You know, every sin is basically selfish. You know that, don't you? It's the worship of what I want instead of what God wants. That is idolatry. Church, I know how it is, though. Anybody else in here in a war like I am? Like the Apostle Paul said, the things I want to do, I don't do. Things I shouldn't be doing, I'm doing. Right? <laughs> it's a battle, is it not? And that's why we have the Holy Spirit indwelling us to empower us to be able to take those steps. We don't do it in our strength, we do it in His. More on that next week. Got to come back. Got to come Wednesday night. We're going to talk about a renewed heart. David walking around in sin for over a year after the sin with Bathsheba, still going to the tabernacle. You know how miserable he must have been. We'll hear a testimony Wednesday night. It'll be beautiful. This morning as believers, yes, I believe we have the desire to please the Lord, but we have the old sinful flesh working against us now, don't we? Yet as believers, once we're saved, we are to begin this process of sanctification. What does that word mean, sanctification, to be sanctified? It means to be set apart, and that's another word. It's a four-letter word. It starts with the, word, the letter H. 
What might that word be? Holy. Did you know that God wants you to be holy? You go, no, I don't, I don't want to be happy. No, no, no. God wants better than that. You know what's better than happy? Holy. You go, can't be. Oh, yes. Yes, it is. I've shared this verse with you several times, and we'll share it with you again. Grasp this. 2 Corinthians 5.21. This is what sin did. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. They chose their own way. We are all born into sin. Therefore, for our sake, God made Jesus not to take sin upon him, no, to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might be happy. Dun, 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 dun. Right? Huh. So we might be righteous. That we might become the righteousness of God. We might have restored what was lost in the Garden of Eden. When they were walking with God in the cool of the day, before sin separated them. Do you know what the will of God is for your life today? Yeah, I don't know. Can I tell you what the will of God is for every single one of you? You, got, you don't. Yes, I do. Let me show it to you. It's from Scripture. I'm going to show you the will of God for your life. You ready? 1 Thessalonians 4. Here it goes. Watch. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus, that as you receive from us how you ought to walk. Follow those steps in the snow. That is to please God just as you're doing. Keep on doing it more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Here it is. You want to know the will of God for your life? For it is the will of God, your sanctification, your holiness, that you abstain from what? What? Sexual immorality. Oh, haven't we seen that? That's what we just read in Colossians. Right? Sexual immorality. And there's a whole list after that. When you get to verse 4. Oh, by the way, when you take the Bible in the New Testament and you go through the teaching epistles, which begins with the book of Romans and runs all the way through the book of Jude, do you know what you find in the teaching epistles to the church? You find lists of sin. And do you know what you find almost every single time listed as sin number one? What? Sexual immorality. Accident? Coincidence? No. Not with God. Not with the Holy Spirit. It's because we all deal with it. Every single one of us in this room deals with this. Church, sexual immorality is a big deal. Sexual immorality is the tip of the spear in every generation and in every era of time. And it always will be. You see, Satan is always looking to pervert God's divine design. And Satan's system will always seek to push humanity to go against what God calls is righteous, right? I want you to see the stair steps again. Watch this. Put to death. What? It starts out with a thought, sexual immorality, that leads to impurity, passion, evil desire, which is seeking to have what is not yours because you're worshiping yourself. That's idolatry. Church, is the Lord trying to be mean when he says not to have sexual relations outside of marriage? What's your deal? What are you, some cosmic killjoy? Let us have a little fun. Right? I mean, after all, he loves us, right? He's okay. 
as long as we love each other and consenting adults, you're not consenting. Mm -mm. Is God's way? Is His design the right way? Hmm? D does God know what He's doing? Of course He does. He's not a cosmic killjoy. He's trying to protect us. I mean, how many of you let your kids open all the Christmas presents before Christmas? Come on, what's your deal? Huh? The kid goes, oh, of course the kid wants all the Christmas presents before Christmas. But it ain't Christmas! We live in a culture today, as in every culture that ever will be, just read Romans 1. And the tip of the spear is always sexual immorality and what that culture accepts. God's not trying to be mean. He has a design. It's His, it's his design. I want to show this to you. Turn back to Ephesians. You go, I don't have a clue where that's at. In my Bible it's four pages back to the left. because. Colossians is separated by the book of Philippians. Go to Ephesians chapter 5. I have a heading in my Bible. I have the English Standard Version, and there's a heading right above verse 22, and it says, Wives and Husbands. And I want to ask you a question. When you read Ephesians 5.22, and it says wives, and you read Ephesians 5.25, and it says husbands, what do you think the, 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 the personal pronoun for wives, is, is it in the masculine or the feminine? You're scared to answer, aren't you? feminine. The word for husbands in verse 25, masculine or feminine in the Greek? Masculine. Does that bother you? This is, this is the Word of God. This is what the Bible says. Verse 25 says, husbands, that's masculine, Love your wives, that's feminine. As Christ, that's in the masculine, loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's in the feminine. See, Satan is always trying to pervert God's divine design. And God used the idea of marriage to describe the relationship between his son and us, the bride. And so when you pervert that, man. Oh, by the way, when a man and a woman get married, what does the Bible say they become? One flesh. That's verse 31. When you look at it, you were in verse 25, look at verse 31. Therefore a man, masculine, shall leave his father, masculine, and mother, feminine, and hold fast to his wife, feminine, and the two shall become what? One flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Church family. Two men and two women cannot become one flesh Amen. because it is not part of God's divine design. Even anatomically it won't work. We cannot even procreate. And only in the last 60 to 70 years has it even been possible. You couldn't even have the human race. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful in what? Multiply. And they did. And because of somebody's fruitfulness, you're here. <laughs> church, in case you think that this was written to the Ephesian church in isolation and it was just like, you know, they were so prude back then. Do you realize that Rome was in control? Do you know what was happening in Ephesus? Paul writing this to the Ephesians? Husbands and wives? 
It was the, 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 the sexuality was so perverted in that culture that they built a temple. Let me show you this temple. They built a temple, the temple of Diana. And do you know what they did in that temple? They literally, quote, went to church, unquote, and committed sexual acts as acts of worship. Prostitutes. Homosexuality. Do you know who was on the throne in Rome? Nero. And do you know what he did? This is where it goes, church. He married himself, he performed the ceremony to a boy. The next letter will be P for pedophilia. And if you don't agree, then you will be called a bigot and a hater. So why are you talking about this? It's sexual immorality. It starts at the, at the bottom of the steps, and this is where it leads a culture and lives and people. Romans 8, 13, see the screens, says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death, put to death the deeds of the body, then you'll live. Are you living in sexual sin today? You know, it starts with a thought. Church, we will never experience joy and power in this life chained to sin. And I'm talking to Christians this morning. I'm talking to Christians for a minute. Those who are watching who are Christians, I'm talking to Christians. Are you listening? You and I can't live in sexual sin and know the power of Jesus in our lives because we're not walking in His steps. We've gone our own way. We cannot know the power of Christ. Oh, you can fake it. You can come in here and fake it. But you know when you lay your head on your pillow at night, it's a fake. It's a scam. You're scamming yourself. Somehow believing that you can rationalize and justify anything. Not just sexual sin. People rationalize all kinds of stuff. Well, it's okay. I can do this. I can do that. And if people don't like it, they can get over it. Are you a stumbling block? Hmm? H hang on. Let's take a selfie again. Okay, ready? Ready? Because it's all about me, right? So I get to drink what I want to drink. I get to do what I want to do. I get to be whatever I want. And you just got to get over it. That's my Christian liberty. See, my Christian liberty is, is that you got to be okay with everything I do. No. As Christians, we hold each other accountable by the Word of God. The Scripture says not to be a stumbling block. So many Christians are trying to live the Christian life, trying to walk like the world and not follow Jesus. Can I show you the steps again? If you've chosen not to walk in His steps, the ones He's already crunched in the snow for you, then you've chosen your way. You've chosen the path that will lead to idolatry. And therefore, church, when we do that, we forfeit the best and we buy Satan's pack of lies. What is the Heidelberg Catechism? See it again? From 1563, I love this old stuff. What is thy only comfort in life and death? Answer, that I with body and soul, both in life and death, I'm not my own. I'm not taking selfies, but belong unto my faithful Savior Jesus. I'm taking pictures of Him who with His precious blood hath fully satisfied for all my sins. 
and delivered me from the power of the devil. But if you're here today and you're not a Christian and you hear these things, or maybe you're even watching today and you hear this coming from my mouth, you go, and you're nuts. You have lost your ever-loving mind. You're a prude. No, I'm not. I'm just teaching what the Word of God says. See, we're in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. I'm not cherry-picking this stuff. I'm not picking on anybody. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to give the truth of God's Word. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to give some self-help talk up here. I'm not trying to tickle your ears. We're not trying to put on some sort of show. We're here to try to bring people into the presence of Jesus and to show you that following Him is life. Oh, that you would try it. Young people, that you would try it. Get your Bible out. Get you a notebook and start writing down what Jesus says to you through the Word of God. Put some action to it. Some of you, I don't even know where to start. Start with the book of Matthew. Just start. Read 10 verses and write down what the Holy Spirit says to you. Take 10 minutes and you'll be blown away. I've got, I don't say this to brag, I've got stacks of notebooks. I can pick a notebook from 20 years ago, pull it out of the stack, and read, wow, God did that, and it'll encourage you for the next problem you've got, because we all got problems. And you'll see the hand of God in your life. Young people, follow Christ. Go after Him. Wow, what a ride. If you don't know Jesus then the things that we're talking about seem strange. And if you don't know Jesus, oh, it's not that you're just rejecting Jesus and it's like just you know, picking some choice at some, you know, you're at some buffet and you decide to have the chicken and not the fish. Mm -mm. It, it's bad. Because see, verse 6 is next. See verse 6 in your Bibles, Colossians 3, 6. On account of these, on account of what? If, if, if you choose to reject Jesus and live in the sin, then the wrath of God is coming. Oh, I'm sorry to tell you that, but I must. Have you read the book of the Revelation lately? The last book in the Bible? When Jesus is revealed? The roaring line we were singing in the song Living Hope. He burst out of that grave. And when he comes back again, he's not coming as the lamb that will allow himself to be slain for the sin of the world. He's coming back as a lion. And for those who have rejected what he did on the cross, remember the picture of him on the cross? When you reject that, then the wrath of God comes. See Jesus, go ahead and put him back up. See Jesus, imagine him looking at you. Because he is. But, but, but try to see that. Try to see that. That, do, do you shudder at that? Do you kind of go, uh, 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 mm. might, that, might that be the Holy Spirit perhaps? <laughs> Saying, come on now, come on now. The Holy Spirit's not beating you over the head. The Holy Spirit just lovingly tugs, come on, come on. And Jesus says, come, come, come. That's a look of love and mercy and grace. Can you see Him? Will you choose Him or the sin? It's your choice, you know. Kill the sin. Kill it. That means take the axe to the root. You ever been out in the summer and pulled a dandelion? You know how hard it is to pull those things up? And what happens? It pops right off at the ground, right at the surface. What does that mean? 
Arnold Schwarzenegger, I will be back. <laughs> right? It's coming back. Why? You didn't take it out at the root. Kill it. You got to kill it. That's verse 7. See? In these you too once walked. You lived this way when you were living them. But now, verse 8, you must put them all away. Oh, there's another list. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, cussing, and lying. See that you have put off the old self with his practices. What you have there is a second set of stairs. Did you know that? Let me, let me show this to you. A second set of stairs. Here it is. It progresses this way. Here it is. It starts out with being angry with somebody. Somebody does something to hurt your feelings or they do something to your family and it really bothers you and makes you angry. And then that anger grows and it smolders into wrath. And the Greek word for wrath literally means heat. Ooh, you can feel it rising. You feel the heat. You can feel your back getting up. And then that heat grows into slander. Malice, then slander. You know what slander is in the Greek? Blasphema. What English word do you think we get from blasphema? Blasphemy. That is to attack a person's name. But it gets worse. The slander grows to the point of cussing, of obscenity. That is abusive language in the Greek, which ultimately ends up with your being okay to lie about them. It's grown from anger to you're willing to lie. Sounds about right for something that Satan pushes in his system, right? After all, he is the father of lies. You know, if you just read the Bible and you go to the book of Genesis and you start reading, you get lie after lie after lie, right? Eve lied, said Satan made me do it. Adam lied and said she made me do it. Abraham lied and said, that ain't my wife, that's my sister. Isaac did the exact same thing. And then he had Jacob. Oh, Jacob, the deceiver, as he was nicknamed. That's just the first half of Genesis. Lies, lies, lies. And why are we, why do we even have this letter? Why do we have the letter to the Colossian church? Why do we have it, church? To separate that which is true from that which are lies. You see? We now have orthopraxy, how we are to live. Are you angry today? Who are you angry with? Jesus said, Father, forgive them. He's our example. Listen, are you trying to worship Jesus today with anger in your heart? You can't, not truly. You know, I have a novel idea. As a Christian, following Jesus in his footsteps, what might it be like for you to go to that person you're angry with and say these two words? I'm sorry. <laughs> oh boy. That's where it gets tough, doesn't it? That, that's this. Oh man. That is such a long way. Oh, I can't do that precisely. Jesus. Help me. Okay. Oh, got it. Got it. Wait, wait, wait. You say, wait, you don't understand, Kevin. You don't understand. See, it's their problem. They're the one that has the problem. 
And you're the one that has the anger. Amen. They're, they're like 95% wrong. All I'm saying is just own up for the 5% that you're wrong and be a Christian. And go to that person and say, I'm sorry. And don't put a comma, but at the end of it. But let me tell you why I did what I did. And you just, just, no, no. I'm sorry, period. And you do that in a humble way. I know they've hurt you. I know you don't like them. Every time you think about them, oh, they just rise up inside of you. And they do not deserve for you to tell them, I'm sorry. They ought to be saying that to you. You feel it? You feel it? Feel the heat? Feel it? You carry that around? What if you go to the person and you say, I'm sorry? You just, you just own up for the 5% of the wall that you built, okay? Don't say that to them. I'm going to apologize for the 5% of the problem here, okay? Okay? No, don't do that. Just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What is their reaction likely to be? Not always, but you're not responsible for their reaction. But what is their reaction likely to be? When they see us come with a humble spirit and that we really mean it and we just want to do what's best for the kingdom and for Jesus and they hear us say, you know, I'm sorry. They will say most often, I'm sorry too. And if they don't, that's on them, right? Right? And, and, and if they do say, I mean, if you, if, if you offer the peace pot, if you take that giant step first in the power of Christ, you break every chain and you're not shackled because you're following your living hope, then there's peace. And you become an agent of peace instead of just keep stirring it up. Will you follow his footsteps? See, see it one last time. Will you follow... Gee, he's already paved the way. He's already marked the course. Let me ask you as we close, I keep mentioning that song. I, I love music. I love, I love the music we sing here, Living Hope. See the chorus again? See the chorus? Hallelujah, praise the one, capital O, that's Jesus, who set me free. Has he? Has he? Hallelujah, death has lost its grip on me. Has it? You have broken every chain. Break the anger. There's salvation in your name. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Look at Jesus one more time. Imagine him looking at you. You don't have to shrink away because he says, come unto me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. But listen, in order for that to happen, you'll have to attend a funeral. A funeral. You'll have to die to yourself, and if you will, that death will be a good thing. Bow with me. Father in heaven, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will help us, Lord, today to look at our lives. Is there sexual sin? Is there anger? That, that's, that's, that's where these two steps started. Lord, so much of our lives can be dominated just in those two areas.
No accident that the Holy Spirit gave those areas to the Apostle for us to hear even today. No accident that we'd be reading this today, first Sunday of 2020. Father, I pray for anyone here today that's never made the decision to truly follow Jesus. Maybe there's a young person here. They prayed a prayer when they were nine years old, but the truth is they've never, they've never thought about, man, I need to go to purposely put my feet like I'm following somebody in the snow, and i got to put my left foot there, my right foot there. Oh, that's a big one. Left foot there, right foot there. And Lord, help them to get their Bible out and begin reading, Lord. Help them to get a notebook out. they got plenty of notebooks. And just begin, just, just ten minutes. Lord, in developing that relationship with you, Lord, I pray for adults. I, I pray, Lord, I, it's not a New Year's resolution here. This is just following you. Help us to put to death these things in our lives. Thank you for joining us for today's message. Find us at www.mpbc.church and on Facebook at facebook.com slash mpbcnc. Have a great day, and we hope you'll join us again next week.